Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game certain This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard, Tennis Talk Canada. All set to sail for another Saturday morning. And at Wimbledon, it's the women's singles finals going on as we speak. Barty 6-3, And the number one seed appears to be on her way, but we'll get into that very shortly. Coming up on the broadcast in the next segment, Mark Masters will stop by. And then we'll have E. Boulay stop by. He is the director of tennis at the Ontario Racquet Club. Ken Christina is here, our director of tennis for the Mayfair Clubs. Ken, how are you this morning? Well, having some trouble hooking up with him. Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. Did you know that a reverse mortgage can help you fund your retirement? Owlmortgage.ca can help homeowners over 55 find out how their home can work for them. Call owlmortgage.ca for advice and a free copy of Home Run. The reverse mortgage at 416-663-LEND. That's 416-613-53. 63. Let's see if Ken is there now. Ken, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay, good, good, okay. So we had some trouble on another show last week and just did want to start this one off on the wrong foot, if you will. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, your thoughts on what you've seen so far this week with, with one uh, one final almost done and, and a, a big matchup tomorrow. What do you think? Oh, it's been an unbelievable two weeks of tennis at the Wimbledon Championships. Obviously, the big stories are the Canadians doing so well, Roger Federer returning to the second week of play at the Grand Slam of Wimbledon. Um, The weather hasn't been the nicest for them, and as we've seen here in Toronto as well, rain can put a big damper on your tennis plans, but uh, it's really been some outstanding tennis. The women's final, of course, started a little rocky for uh, Pliskova. She played very, very, very nervous at the beginning, but... I think she believes she lost the first 14 points of the match, but she started to kind of get her feet underneath her and calm down a little bit. But, you know, it just shows you how important these slams are to the players. And no matter how well they've done winning on tour and how um, confident they appear to be, they step onto the court of a Grand Slam semifinal match, a Grand Slam final match, and the nerves can take control. And it did it for her in the early stages of today's uh, Women's Championship final matchup. Well, and, you know, you mentioned uh, the performance in a slam, and so because we saw the Stanley Cup awarded this week, when you get to the championship level of all professional sports, the margins are so slim, and you're reduced to these um, the the little sort of cliche analysis of you know you have to control your fate, you have to start properly, uh, you have to be very tidy and efficient, and, and of course very strong, and and you can see that the, I mean all, all you have to do is, is stumble in the first set, and it's just very hard to re- to uh, sort of rejuvenate yourself and get back into it. Isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, you're right when you compare it to different sports and how nervous people get. You know, you saw it in the Stanley Cup finals, a little back uh, behind the back pass, behind the net. It ends up in the net behind Carey Price at a key point in the game. And, you know, things happen. And, and the telltale sign for a lot of players is when they start to miss their easy shots or when you start to see their service toss go awry. And we saw it in the, in the women's match today where Pliskova was tossing the ball up and letting it drop, tossing the ball up and letting it drop several times throughout the match. And that's usually a sign of nerves. Sometimes it can be the sun and you kind of forget where the sun is before you toss the ball. But for her, it was definitely nerves. She was down four love early. 
She finally won a game to make it 4-1, and she kind of made a little smile towards your box like, okay, I'm not going to lose this final 6-love, six 6-love. Six but, um, you know, it's really tricky. My father just flew into town from um, British Columbia to kind of watch the Wimbledon finals in the, in the last couple days of Wimbledon with me. And, you know, we were talking about the first time I made it to a final in the provincial championships. Obviously nothing like Wimbledon. But for me as a young player, my goal was to get to the finals and win the Provincial Ontario Championships. And when I reached my first final, I wasn't able to hit a ball over the net in the warm-up. I couldn't actually even hit a ball out of my hand and hit it over the net. And at the time, I was number three or four in Ontario in the boys under 16. I lost that first final match, 6-1, 6-1. I think it lasted about 47 minutes. It was, I was embarrassed. I couldn't get off the court quick enough. And it's a real challenge for these players to kind of grapple with those nerves and rise to the occasion in big moments. Well, as you're saying that, a wave of emotion has hit Barty because she has won the Wimbledon's uh, singles final, and she's just uh, so, sort of soaking up the moment here on, on, on courtside, and uh, you could see the wave of emotion hit her. Uh, you know, I, I just want to go back to what you were saying there. I mean, it's an interesting scenario because as a player, you know that you're in trouble or you have to regroup or you're nervous or you're not performing the way you want to, and you have to sort of uh, circle the wagons and, and get that performance out of yourself but not only do you know so does the opponent and anybody who knows like in this particular case anybody who knows tennis that is in on hand at the event they can sense that too so i mean it's there's no secrets here which makes it much more difficult to regroup doesn't it oh absolutely and you could see it with her breathing before she would serve the breathing was off the eyes are darting all over the place you know my recommendation for players like that is you know, some people will say, go out there, soak it all in, take it up, enjoy the moment. I, I think that's almost impossible to do. Almost every single player is going to get out there and they're going to be overwhelmed by what's going on. No matter how many finals they've been in before their, their first or second or third Grand Slam final, for her being her first uh, Wimbledon Grand Slam final, it's really difficult. And what I would do is I would keep your eyes only on the court. As soon as a point is over, you look at your strings, you readjust your strings. You don't look around and, and soak it all in because it's too much. It's too much for the mind and the brain to handle because for a player like her, she's dreamt of this moment her entire life. And the pressure when she's out there is just, it's unbearable. You know, on changeovers, you can put a towel over your head and kind of look into the towel and refocus and and kind of work on your breathing and those types of things, you've almost, in my opinion, you've almost got to remove yourself from the court as much as possible when yeah. you're not in the middle of a point in order to be able to relax. Well, you have to have an out-of-body experience because that's how you, you can manage your own performance. And Barty, as we were talking, just launched herself into the stands to find her those that are important to her to give them all a hug, and it was kind of interesting to watch. So let's go to the Shapovalov, who uh, had the, the chore of, of facing Djokovic, uh, the number one seed, and, and uh, you know, no, Novak is playing arguably his best tennis right now. He goes out in straight sets, uh, and normally that would tell you that it wasn't competitive, but it was ultra-competitive, and there's nothing but great things ahead for Dennis. Absolutely, and, you know, if you haven't heard what Novak said after the match, you've got to go onto YouTube, you've got to find the interview, his post-match interview on court, and the nice things that he said about Dennis and how well Dennis played. And Novak was bang on. Dennis deserved to win the first set. Dennis 
was the better player for almost the entire second set. So arguably, Dennis could have been up 7-6, 6-4, 7-6, Instead, he found himself in a hole 7-6, What I really liked about how Dennis played, and, and you mentioned it, Jim, about how well Novak has been playing. The world is on notice about how Novak has almost been toying with players in the last few tournaments, how, just how far above the field he seems to be. But heading into the third set, even with Dennis down 7-6, 7-3 in the breaker, and then 7-5 in the second set, he still believed he could win. He still felt like he was playing well enough to beat the number one player in, wor- in the world and arguably the greatest male tennis player of all time. Some stats that stick out that are, that are really good to see for Dennis and, and what's going to kind of come through the maturity of what's happened to him at Wimbledon. He served at 67% in the match over Novak's 61%. His first serve percentage was 67%. A great number and a number that you want to have around that level, 65 to 70% in order to compete with the greatest players out there. He won 79% of those first serve points. Again, really an outstanding number. Where he needs to work on, he, he was only one of 11 on break point chances. If he's a little bit more successful there, he wins the match. It's really going to be the difference. Or the match goes four, maybe five sets. But he's really going to put himself in the driver's seat. I think what Dennis has to recognize is he can't take a full swing at every return to serve. Some return to serves, it's just got to be block the ball back and get yourself into a neutral position so you can start the rally fresh. You can't start every point by hitting a huge return to serve. He'll get there. That's going to take a little bit of time. But really a fantastic showing by the young Canadian, just 22 years old. And, you know, the crowd served him right at the end with a huge uh, ovation and Novak's comments both on the court and then apparently they also had a conversation in the locker room are really going to sit well with Dennis and really help to build his confidence and take his game to the next level. Well, here is Dennis post-match. Let's listen into his comments. Dennis, it was so tight. You had great moments uh, during spells of the match. You were the better player. Djokovic said it himself. Um, you had some chances to break his service, especially on, on the second set. These small details, how do you assess them? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's honestly it's heartbreaking, you know, the match like this to to be out playing, you know, number one in the world. It's uh, not something you get to do every day. So for sure, I'm, I'm you know I'm very proud of myself, but at the same time, really frustrated that I wasn't able to, to capitalize on the moments. But uh, for sure, it's just a, it's a huge growing experience for me. And uh, you know, if if before I was hungry, I'm definitely more hungry than ever to to get back on the courts and improve and uh, to make those slight adjustments so that I can convert uh, in in those. Break- points next time why were you so emotional when you leave when you left the court what what went through your head in that moment yeah well I think uh, I think the whole two weeks the whole month being in a bubble everything it just kind of hit me at once you know knowing that that it's over now and uh, and like I said it was, it was a heartbreaking match because I did feel like I was out playing him and uh, in certain points in the match and uh, to have that, you know, kind of slip away from you and, and feeling this week that, you know, that, that I'm able to, to lift that trophy and, and having all that, that kind of slip away, it was, uh, it was truly uh, just, just heartbreaking. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it kind of hit me at once. And, and before I knew it, you know, before I could control myself, uh, I had tears down, you know, down my cheeks. But uh, for sure, like I said, it, it's, been, it's been a great, uh, great two weeks. And, and obviously, I should be super proud of myself. And, and, and I am just, uh, just deep inside. <laughs> 
When it's so tight against the world's number one, one of the greatest of the of, of history, how did you work? How do you work on these small things? You know, that's a good question. I think uh, I think that's a question that everyone's trying to solve. And uh, for sure, I felt close today, probably closer than I've been against them before. You know, obviously we had some tight matches, but uh, just a little little small adjustments that that I can you know make and, and change and, and hopefully next way next time it could go my way and uh, that's that's really really about it but uh, for sure it's uh, it's super super uh, you know super awesome just just knowing that uh, that, that my level is there and, and I'm able to, to compete with anyone and, uh, and and definitely push push the top guys in which aspects do you think you're a different player from when you arrived here? Yeah, I think uh, you know, the, like like I said, this is the first time that I felt that I'm actually able to to win this trophy and and win this tournament. So, you know, so having that confidence and knowing that that I do have the level to to make it this far and and further and and lift the trophy, you know, it it just makes you a different player. And uh, for sure, the next uh, next time I'll be at a Grand Slam, it'll be different. I'll have more experience. And uh, like I said, if if I was hungry before, this has made me even more hungry to to kind of improve my game and and get even to to the next level so that I could uh, I could beat guys like Novak and uh, and hopefully you know hold the trophy one day and if you could talk about the plans and if you want to send a message home <laughs> yeah just uh, just to everyone in Canada I really really appreciate all the support and and I felt every every shout every you know every scream at the TV and and I'm sorry you know couldn't get the trophy this time but uh, I promise you guys that, that I'll work my hardest to, to hopefully one day be be here or one of the Grand Slam finals and, and hopefully holding the trophy for uh, for you guys. Denis Shapovalov after losing to Djokovic and you could see he, he just felt that he was there and it just didn't happen but that means that he's about to walk through the threshold of great success in my opinion. When we come back we'll hear from Mark Masters on the TV side for TSN and his uh, tennis uh, thoughts as well also dealing with Felix Auger-Aliassime. For two decades Vince Gaetano of OwlMortgage.ca has educated homeowners with tips and money saving strategies to build wealth through real estate fall events and the Wise Old Owl Show on Instagram live every Thursday at Vince G Mortgage. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, and I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan. It'll be tailored specifically for you. It will reflect your goals and aspirations. It'll be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina, and now Mark Masters joins us from the tennis side at uh, TSN headquarters. Mark, welcome. How are you today, sir? I am well. Good to be with you, gentlemen. Our pleasure to have you, as always. Uh, I just want to go back to what Denis Shapovalov said uh, after his elimination by Djokovic. I mean, there was a realization there that that he was there and there was opportunity, and he felt it was missed opportunity, which really tells me that, that he's uh, ready to take the next step. How about you? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think that's the realization that he had. Uh, he said it hurt more this time because he really felt like he had the game to win the championship, and he felt like he outplayed Novak Djokovic 
for the first two sets. Uh, and I guess that just goes to show uh, and is another lesson in just how hard it is to, to beat these elite guys, these legends. Uh, you don't just have to outplay them. You almost have to outwill them. And Djokovic was was just a little bit better in those big moments, or as Shapovalov said, a little bit luckier, but uh, maybe a mix of both. And and that was enough to turn what was a really tight match into a, a straight set final scoreline. So uh, I think it was a very positive result. I think the emotion that Shapovalov showed will fuel him and uh, a really big step forward for him. Uh, Mark, big final championship Sunday coming up tomorrow. Novak taking on Berrettini. You know, Novak's been playing so well. We saw how Dennis's serve um, kind of neutralized the Novak great return of serve a little bit uh, in the matchup yesterday. Does Berrettini have what it takes to uh, capture a slam, or is Novak just playing too well, do you think? Well, I mean, Berrettini certainly has the game to trouble uh, Djokovic with how, how well he served. I wonder how much the leftiness of Shapovalov's serve uh, played a role in, in yesterday's match. And uh, we'll see if Djokovic can can get a better read on Berrettini because it felt like he was struggling with uh, Shapovalov for a good chunk of that match yesterday. But Berrettini's certainly on, on a confident run, having won the Queens Club title 11-0 on grass this season. Um, the experience factor might play a role, though, uh, just with Berrettini in his first major final, Djokovic in his 30th. Uh, there's a lot of history, though, on, on Djokovic's side and on the line, a chance to go for the calendar slam, the golden slam, to tie Federer and Nadal. He hasn't played with that sort of pressure before. Um, so it'll be a very, very interesting kind of occasion, and we'll see. I mean, that first set is, is crucial. It's, it's very hard to come back against Djokovic uh, in a best-of-five when you fall behind early. So uh, there won't be time for, for Berrettini to work out his nerves. He's got to be ready to go right away. Uh, Mark, I just want to return back to, to Shapovalov for a second. Uh, Breakfast at Wimbledon is a great show. It, it sets up uh, what's going to happen. And, and the two McEnroes were on yesterday morning, and the question was put to them, who would be the next person out of the big three to win a slam? Patrick said Shapo, and uh, John said Tsitsipas. Uh, I mean, and, and uh, Patrick said the U.S. Open. Is that is that something that you could buy into? It's hard to, to see it, I guess, at this moment. Uh but we know Dennis has had great success at the U.S. Open. That's where he made his first major quarterfinal. Uh, it's the end of the season, um, so some of the bigger guys who have gone deep are, are a little gassed, I guess, although we saw Rafa Nadal uh, skip uh, Wimbledon and the Olympics to, to save up his body, and he should be in fine form in New York. Uh, very hard out. Daniil Medvedev is a guy who I like as, as someone who could win that, that U.S. Open. Is a guy who, who has been to a U.S. Open final, uh, pushed Nadal to five sets. So he's definitely in the equation for me in terms of the next guy out of the big three to, to win a Grand Slam. We know Dominic Team's already done it once. I know he's injured. He hasn't uh, been in the best form. So um, I guess it, it, it's, it's hard to pick. It's really hard to pick. Who am I to go against uh, the McEnroes? <laughs> I, I like that comment. Uh, Johnny Mack really seems to love Dennis, and when you see Dennis kind of step over the line a little bit and chat to the umpires or kind of scream at himself, you realize why McEnroe is so keen on him. But I agree. I think going in there, I, I like Medvedev as well. But if there's one thing that I, I think about that tournament for Dennis is that he will love playing on that center court and hearing the crowd of New York, you know, cheer for him and or chant his name. I think he will take that all in, much more so than maybe 
the more reserved Felix might. Yeah, and I was I found it uh, surprising that McEnroe was taking the umpire side yesterday uh, in that match. Uh, that that was uh, I'm like, what are you doing, Mac? You got to support your your guy, Chapo. But he said, you know, it was uh, it was uh, Djokovic's point. <laughs> the umpire did the right thing, so I found that surprising. But yeah, I mean, Chapo's a he's a showman. He's got the electrifying game. Uh, he will enjoy playing in front of a big raucous crowd. And Wimbledon's crowds are not as raucous as the U.S. Open. It's a more of a reserved setting, and I think that. Uh, actually, what I liked was uh, that Chapo was a little more calm uh, at Wimbledon. Uh, at the big moments, he was composed. He joked that instead of uh, screaming out and yelling out after every point, it was every three points. So I think he's done a, a better job of managing his emotions and of game management, knowing when to go for the big shots and points. Sometimes you get so revved up by a crowd that you just want to create that next big ovation and go for a big, you know, electric shot, and it's not the right time to do it. So I think he's getting more mature in terms of his game management, and that will help him. And, and then he'll find that happy spot where he, he can ride the waves of emotion from the fans but also uh, bring out his best tennis. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I think a lot of the stuff that we said about Chapovalov would apply to Felix, albeit a, a loss in the quarterfinals, but we saw more out of him, didn't we? This was a really big uh, step forward for him as well, equally big as, as the step that Dennis took. Uh, you know, he is, he's, he's been talked about since age 14, maybe even earlier. I remember going to his junior matches at Grand Slam, so many agents, uh, you know, milling around, trying to get a, a view of this next big thing. And uh, he's, he's played really well and had a great career and a great trajectory so far, but he's 0-8 in the finals that he's played in. First of all, amazing to make eight finals at his age, 20. He'll turn 21 uh, in August, but uh, he, he hasn't won a set in those matches, and there's been a lot of talk. Does he have that fire within, that pressure ability to, to, to kind of burst through? And that win over Zverev was, to me, a real big moment for him uh, to come from a, a breakdown in the first and the second, save a set point in the second, and then to lose the third and the fourth set squander a break lead in the fifth, but then still find a way to push it across the line against a guy he had never even taken a set off of in three previous matches. To me, uh, that was a really big moment for him, and he's going to just, again, uh, use that as a big confidence booster as he goes onto the hard court. So a huge moment. And you could see the emotion, right, because he's more reserved than Dennis, but there was so much emotion uh, in him and the way he reacted after that win over Zverev. And I thought he handled himself fine against Berrettini, which wasn't an easy match either because they're very, very close friends off the off the court, maybe the closest friend he has on tour. And I thought he handled that, that, that very well, even though he lost that match to Berrettini. And that will be another good learning moment. So a big step forward uh, for OJ Aliassime, just like Shapovalov. It's, it's really great to see. I agree with you 100%. You know, I had picked, I'm in a little group text with a bunch of local tennis um, pros, and uh, I picked Felix to win in five sets. But when he won the first two sets and then lost the next two sets, I, <laughs> I wasn't so sure he was going to pull it out in the fifth because that's such a challenge after, you know, the, the momentum sway. So I was, I was thrilled to see him win it as well. Um, you know, Barty, I don't think has received the recognition she deserves as the number one player in the world. And, and I don't know that anybody that's been ranked number one through the Serena Williams era, other than Serena, really has received it. Do you think that winning this Wimbledon now will kind of cement her in people's minds as the number one player on tour? I sure hope so. I mean, I was talking to Jeannie Bouchard, uh, 
yeah, uh, yeah, two days ago, and she was. We were, I was asking her who she liked in the finals, and she she did not hesitate. Said Barty, she's just got it all. Um, you know, with the all court game, her serve is deceptive. I mean, she's only five foot five, but. Um, she, she's such an imposing force on the court when she's at the peak of her powers. We saw that in Miami when she beat Bianca Andreescu in the final. Um, she deserves all the credit she gets. Uh, she's got it all. Uh, she's also a lot of fun to watch just with the way she plays the game. Uh, similar to Bianca in some in some respects with the all court ability, so I hope she does get it. I mean, she's number one for a reason. She's she's now one on clay. She's now one on grass, and she has an amazing hard court game as well. So I think she's the clear favorite going to the U.S. Open, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what's what's happened uh, as she happens next for her. She's also such an engaging personality, a lot of fun to listen to, and um, I think it's great for for the for the women's game and for just tennis in general to have her back on top. Mark, really appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right, Mark Masters, uh, TSN Tennis. As we're watching on the monitor, uh, Barty going through this uh, little reception line, Royal Family has a nice conversation with her, and then Tennis Royalty, Martina and uh, Billie Jean King were there and, and uh, greeting her as well. Now she's out on the balcony showing off the uh, the trophy. And, you know, I guess, Ken, uh, the, the first noticeable thing watching Wimbledon, as we saw in the Stanley Cup Finals stateside, the full crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it sounds like we're getting closer to that in Ontario. We entered, we're entering step three on uh, July 16th, 17th area, and they're talking about allowing 75 capacity for outdoor events, things of that nature. So hopefully, by the time the National Bank Open rolls around in Toronto, we're going to see some healthy crowds in the stands cheering on the likes of Dennis and Felix in Toronto and Bianca, Jeannie, Layla, and many other young Canadians in Montreal. It's uh, Hopefully, we're on the cusp of that for sure here in Ontario and in Montreal. Coming up next, Yves Boulay will stop by. He's the director of tennis for the Ontario Racquet Club. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, and I feel very comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you, will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. This segment is brought to you by Scopeland Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin and maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan with luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019, speak to Eric directly, or check out scoglinhomes.com and make the right decision around your largest investment. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina here. We welcome in Yves Boulay, the Director of Tennis from the Ontario Racquet Club. Yves, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for, uh, I know thanks you've for... got history with Kenny. I... <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us, Eve. We appreciate having you on today. Excellent. 
Uh, give us your overall impressions of what you've seen out of Wimbledon. Of course, the Canadian story was, was very good, and, and Barty just won the women's singles. Yes, I think, like, you know, this is basically, uh, to me, like, you know, that's like kind of the first tournament that looks really normal, and uh, I think it's so... Uh, uh, like, you know, we feel so good about this, like, you know, like, uh, with the Canadian being in the semis and, uh, like, you know, so I think it's, uh, it's been a very, very good, um, like tournament to me. I think it's like, it's kind of revived a lot of people into tennis and, uh, I think it's, uh, it's very, very exciting. Well, the good news is I understand you're starting a new tennis league, Eve, or it's already ongoing, called the Next Generation Tennis League in the, here in the GTA. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the league and what, uh, what, why it's so good for the young players? Well, like, you know, we, uh, when the COVID started to kind of come together and then we were prevented to travel and everything, and uh, we, uh, I met with my partner and we were kind of concerned about the junior development and the junior uh, going to college and, and stuff because uh, we felt like, you know, I mean, if they can't travel, the college coach would not be able to um, see them and everything. So we were starting to get concerned about this a little bit. And uh, so we noticed that uh, the college was using the UTR, like the uh, universal tennis rating, quite a lot. And uh, we were basically asking ourselves, it's like, how can we find a way where we can get uh, bring their UTR up locally and uh, so this is a little bit like how this league came about and it was for the, the, the purpose of the junior in Canada and uh, so we started up and then we were thinking about okay how are we going to get the, the best players to play so therefore there is a possibility to raise your UTR so we kind of copy a little bit what they're doing in Europe like you know in these leagues where we were paying the, the higher level players and uh, so then the junior would play against them and then that would give them the opportunity to raise their UTR. So uh, that was a little bit like the, the, the base of why we did this league and uh, really what, why, what makes it special a little bit. Well, we, we're thankful that you're doing that because we certainly want to see as many Canadians flocking to the U.S. as possible on uh, tennis scholarships to get firstly a great education but as, as you're well aware also a great experience for them so uh, we're thankful to have that league tell us a little bit about Ontario Racquet Club the number of courts uh, and, and maybe what the what's happened with the impact of the pandemic at ORC uh, for us it's been uh, very challenging actually because uh, we have well I'm sure like you're aware of that we have a uh, uh, like some indoor courts and we also have some bubbles that we take away in the summer and so lately we've been able to use the bubble but uh, what it is like there's an influx of tennis players right now that is really really difficult to manage for us uh, we have like uh, more demand than we can provide courts it's just uh, it's really really crazy and uh, so we're just kind of looking forward for next week to be able to reopen the indoor facility so we'll see from there what's going to happen. But as of now, it's uh, our club is uh, is very challenging in terms of for the, the members and for the time that they want to play and the time that we uh, we're allowed uh, we're allowed to play. It's, we just tried to split it, and so like people are like you know complaining a little bit about the time that they can play and and all that stuff. But it's it's been very challenging. It's a good problem to have for a business, but it's becoming to little bit uh, uh, too much so so hopefully we uh, we're going to get back to semi-normal as uh, we opening the indoor facility 
I want to go back to that uh, the tennis league for juniors. I mean, with, with the Canadians doing so well uh, at, at the pro level, there. I mean, there's there's really really deep interest in this, and it really fills a void, doesn't it? Well, yes, it's like uh, what we felt, and and also it is very. Uh, we thought about this properly in terms of, uh, like you know, like tennis facility are over full. So as ORC and I know some other facility like Mayfair and everything, it's very difficult for us to to make a tournament because it takes so much real estate and the members are complaining about the time that they don't have and new people in the club. And so with a league like this, it allows us to do provide competition in one time. It's one, uh, like, you know, in three hours is the start and then it's done and it's done for the week. So it's much easier to manage for a tennis club to be able to host these tournaments, these, uh, these league. And so, which is, I think like, you know, in the future, we're going to have to start to look at a little bit more uh, using this kind of type of competition to uh, help our kids to, uh, to, 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 to become competitive. Well, Eve, I know we've talked about it in the past, and we haven't been able to host any at Mayfair, but uh, I'm going to tell you right now on the radio so I can't go back, we're going to do whatever we can to help you, and that'll help <laughs> the young players from this area to compete. So you have my word no. on that. Um, well, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> I know you've done, you've coached some players that are on tour. Are you, are you currently involved with anybody on tour and or who have you been involved with in the past? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that's like? It's like a ton okay. of fun, uh, but I'm sure there's an awful lot of work too. Yes. Uh, well, I, I stopped doing like the tour, like, you know, about uh, two years ago, I stopped with Alison Risk. I was uh, coaching her. Um, like I haven't really coached full time since, uh, like pretty much like uh, when I was working with Jeannie Bouchard and I work a little bit with uh, Rebecca Marino when she was a junior and uh, some other men's tennis like, you know, Oliver Marac that is more focused in doubles and, uh, and so on. But uh, like, you know, I, with what I'm doing right now, as you know, I'm sure it's, uh, it's quite uh, intensive, like, you know, in terms of demanding from my work and everything. So which make it very difficult to commit to a pro players. And um, I was lucky with Alison Risk. She was really uh, uh, flexible in the time that I would be on the road with her. She, she just worked out really well. But uh, like, you know, in general, the pro wants you full time. They don't want you just half time. And uh, so I'm not able to provide this. I miss it a little bit. But uh, eventually, you also have to uh, look at different things in life, and uh, this is where I am right now. Eve, tell us about your son, Justin. And, of course, you can mention your, your wife, Patricia, he as well. Yes. Well, uh, like uh, my son, Justin, is like he's in Ohio State University right now on a scholarship for tennis. Um, like, um, he's been quite injured. We were kind of hoping that he was going to be able to make the leap to the pro level. And he had some, uh, injuries at young age that kind of prevented to develop as a player as much as he should. And so, uh, the option was to go to college and that's where he, he's at right now. And, uh, actually he's really loving it. He, he loves the team atmosphere and everything. And, uh, so, uh, right now he's looking at to finish college and before, uh, uh, trying to to go on the tour, so so that's where he's at right now. Oh, fantastic! So, Eve, I I know that um, one of the questions I get asked so much is how much should kids train? How much is too much? And you know, you see some kids that are on the court 
seven days a week, two, three, four hours a day, doing fitness, you know, kind of cutting classes and things like that. What, what's your kind of gauge and what do you tell young players how much they should be training to kind of take their game to the next I, level? I think like, you know, it's a little bit individually, like, you know, like individuals are different. Like, you know, I think for someone that's going to be very, very tall at young age, if you put too many hours, I think you really break them down. And like some other can take more. Uh, and there's also like, you know, the motivation factor. I mean, like, you know, if a kid's really looking forward to it, not being forced and not putting on a schedule and things like this and looking to play more hours, like, you know, like the, uh, I don't know if you know Dave Mailey, like, you know, from Australia, like, you know, that, and, and like, you know, across the world, like, you know, there's a kind of a, like a numbers where they saying about 25 hours of tennis, like, you know, from, from fairly young now, like, you know, like the, the players around the world, they're training quite a lot and like, you know, doing six to seven hours of fitness and uh, like, you know, play about uh, 60 um, competitive tournaments a year uh, when you're under 14 and then a 60 match a year. And then like, you know, and then up to hundred when you're over 18. So, like, you know, it's pretty, it's a sport that is pretty demanding. And I think, like, you know, like, uh, yes, you can have some exceptions. Some people that play, like, you know, 12 hours a week and end up to do extremely well. But I think it's, it's, uh, you see fewer and fewer of these players able to get through with very, very low numbers. Like, it's, it's getting competitive really young. And uh, when it seems like it's a sport where when you're not really in the group when you're young, it's really difficult to develop the confidence and the, and, um, the belief that they can perform at higher levels. So um, I think it's too much, to be honest, <laughs> but it's like uh, that seems to be the trend these days. Eva, on the way out, I'd, I'd be fascinated to know, like, how do you sort of gauge what what works for an individual? Because some people can, as you say, they, they can really um, go about this and, and, and attack it hard, and other people break down for whatever reason, whether it's uh, just physically or, or they're just tired, they can't process it. How, how do you sort of uh, individualize that? Well, I think, like, you know, like, to me, like, you know, what I'm looking at a lot, it's like their motivation level. You see the kids that are, like, you know, I mean, it's really hard work. I mean, if you do it, like, you know, 25 hours a week, it's like, a, it's really hard to maintain motivation if you do not really have this in your heart. And you see it in their interests, and then, like, often it turns out to be, like, you know, they're not competing with their heart anymore. They're competing, just they're just there. And uh, we see this, like, every now and then, like, some parents, like, you know, sometimes are pushing the kids into playing more than the kids wants to play. And, um, like, you know, you can see it in their interests, and you can see it in their willingness to run their willingness to compete and it's it affects their psyche quite a lot and to me that's the way i see it and also like obviously like injuries like you know like uh, once you start to have kids that are really young and and constantly injured and everything then you 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 have to uh question a little bit like maybe this the the recipe for that kid might not be the best at that point eve really appreciate you stopping by thanks very much you're welcome. That was nice of you inviting me.
Thank you. Yves Boulay is uh, departing now. He's the director of tennis for the Ontario Racquet Club. Looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market? Do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglin Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is very important in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 646 seven three zero zero seven zero one nine or check out scoglandhomes.com to get started this is tennis talk canada tsn 1050 tsn1050.ca also available in the tsn and iheart radio apps you're listening to tennis talk canada on tsn 1050 here's jim taddy Welcome back with two decades of giving advice and CP24's weekly hot property program. Vince Gaetano of OwlMortgage.ca has educated homeowners on how to utilize their home to build wealth. Follow Vince on Instagram at Vince G Mortgage or DM him directly with your questions. Jim Taddy, Ken Crescini here, final moments of Tennis Talk Canada. I just want to go back to, you know, I mean, tennis is, it can be somewhat grueling in, in the development stage. I mean, that's not for everybody, is it? No, absolutely. And what Eve said is completely correct. You know, we see so often that in order to be a great tennis player, you have to have a parent that pushes along a little bit. But if you have that parent that shoves the kid too fast and too hard, what ends up happening is that child quits the game. So you've got to have a coach that's committed and you have to have a parent that is you know, slightly aggressive and slightly pushy without really shoving that kid. And you know, 25 hours is a number that's being bantered about out there, as Eve said, and it's an awful lot of time for a young person to spend playing one sport. You know, when I was younger, Grant Connell, who went on to be number one in the world in doubles, didn't even play his first nationals until he was 15 years old. He only started playing tennis at 13 and a half. He still went on to be number one in the world. It rarely happens now because it's a business. The money has gotten bigger. The endorsements have gotten bigger, which in turn means more and more players end up taking the game up at a young age. Yes, they love the game, but they look at the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. So if you're listening and you're a parent, you've got to be nurturing, supportive, and a little bit pushy. Don't shove your child to play the sport. Don't shove your child to play the sport too much because eventually they're going to turn on you and then they're going to quit that sport. And uh, that's a shame. We don't want to see that happen to anybody. No, about a minute left, Ken. OwlMortgage.ca helps educate first-time and existing homeowners on using their mortgage to build wealth through real estate. OwlMortgage.ca can teach you how the new stress test can actually grow your net worth. Call 416-613-LEND today. And, and I would just, just a general thought on the way out, and we've got seconds to sum this up. I mean, this is the, the world we live in now is, is a lot less push, or at least it should be, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think what we're going to see from young Canadian players, they're going to watch um, the young Dennis, they're going to watch Felix, Leila, Bianca, Jeannie, Vashik, Milos, all these great Canadians. The young players are stepping out to hit the wall ball against their garage door, to hit the ball against the side of their house. They want to play tennis, they want to aspire to be the next Bianca, the next Leila, the next Felix, Dennis, etc. And all we're going to see now for years to come is great young Canadian players stepping out onto the world stage and making all of us in Canada proud. And real quick, I like what Dennis said. He heard us all cheering, so keep cheering for those Canadians and yelling at your television screen. Got to go. Thanks for stopping by.